Hello, and welcome to IAOP's podcast series, Pulsecast, where we explore topics big and small in a world of collaborative partnerships. Thank you for joining us, and now the host of Pulsecast. Hi, I'm Amanda Safdar, Managing Director at IOP, and welcome to another action-packed episode of IOP's Pulsecast. Today, Debbie Hamill chats with Alex Rochlitz of Google about all things impact sourcing. Listen as Alex talks about his intro to impact sourcing, how it has become a passion of his, and how he'd like more organizations to initiate impact hiring strategies. Alex will share his experience and talk about organizations he thinks are excelling in impact sourcing as part of their overall corporate missions. Beginning to end, you will be inspired. Debbie and Alex, take it away. I'm delighted to be hosting this IOP Pulsecast today and to introduce our guest, Alex Rocklitz, who is vendor strategy and execution partner with Google. Throughout his career, Alex has helped shape the outsourcing strategy and operations at some of Fortune 500's most notable brands. Now at Google, he manages outsourcing strategy and execution for several key Google business areas. Alex is also a member of IOP's Impact Sourcing Knowledge Collective and currently serves as the vice chair of the Global Impact Sourcing Coalition Steering Committee. Alex, welcome to the IOP Pulsecast. Thank you, Debbie. I'm really excited to do this podcast and uh, work more closely with IOP. I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to OS 21. Great. And so are we. And we're looking forward to your session at the upcoming summit next month. I have some questions for you, so we might as well get started. Can you share with us a little about your background and your experience with impact sourcing? Yes, so uh, I, I became an outsourcing consultant um, very much by accident right out of college. Um, I worked with ISG and a couple small firms, traveling around the country, working with a, a lot of different clients, advising on you know, pretty much all things outsourcing. I did a lot of um, organizational assessments that led to, to big RFPs and, and you know, big uh, outsourcing transaction. So I, I have been in outsourcing for my entire career. It's really uh, all that I all that I've done. Um, and and throughout that time as a consultant, kind of working in the industry, I, I never once heard the term impact sourcing, or or any proposal from a vendor or a request from a from a buyer client to do anything that had a you know a flavor or a, you know an aspect of of social impact. So, uh, and, and there's, I think, a couple of reasons for that. You know, most of my clients were in struggling industries um, where there was, you know, really no choice but to restructure and cost savings was, you know, if not the only, by far the, the number one priority uh, for, for most of these big transactions. So, um, you know, it, it's understandable why maybe impact sourcing hasn't traditionally been uh, a big topic of conversation with with big outsourcing providers because um, while it can be cost competitive, it's it's not free completely, uh, and it's not a completely turnkey solution for clients, at least not yet. Uh, and it, it takes a lot of, of effort and dedication to to make the program successful. Technology is is where you've seen a majority of the the vocal buyer uh, impact sourcing um, promoters. Just because you know we have the the time and the resources to to dedicate to initiatives like this, um, but it doesn't have to be that way. Certainly, I think it's um, 
an opportunity really that anyone can can take advantage of. When did you first hear about impact sourcing and what did you then think it was all about? So it was very shortly after I joined Google. We had been doing a, a pilot with one of our big BPO providers and my boss asked me to to work on the the project and, and build a program um, and centrally manage it. And so I, I said, yes, uh, I, I didn't know a lot about what impact sourcing actually was, but the concept is pretty straightforward. Um, and I think when we, when I first started working on the program, um, it, it was really focused on influencing our, existing vendors to implement impact sourcing into their, uh, you know, already set up operations workflows, um, some partnerships with, um, you know, impact providers, which is a term that I should be trademarking. Cause I think it's, it's an important distinction to really, um, you know, call out the, the difference between a traditional outsourcing provider and an impact provider. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, the, the the value prop and the impact and the importance of the cause was was really clear and straightforward um, for, right from the onset. And I think that's the case for just about anyone who gets involved in this. Um, it, it was really kind of being new to the to the industry and, and being kind of in a new company. You know, most of my um you know, time was spent trying to understand how to actually do it at scale and, and what it meant for our, our company individually, um, which I think is a journey that most people will, will have to go through in order to get these off the ground and running, um, hopefully with a, a little bit more support and knowledge um, now that, you know, people like myself and the, the groups that we work with in IOP and with GISC um, are, are there to provide support and guidance. That was really critical to, to getting things off the ground. I, I would not have made progress without the, the support of GISC and, and the work that we did together uh, in those you know early years back in 2018. Oh, great. From the early days to now, you've been incredibly involved in impact sourcing. What are your impressions um, on how it has changed and how it has evolved over time? Yeah, I think, you know, my impressions with the cause and, and its potential and, and how much, uh, you know, impact it actually has on people's lives hasn't really changed a whole lot. Um, what What's primarily changed is my view on how the impact sourcing work actually finds its way to clients and, and who has the primary role in expanding impact sourcing. So when I first joined GIC, you know, three or so years ago, started learning about how other companies have approached this and, you know, even like what the definition of impact sourcing was. It, it was clear that a lot of onus was put on the buyers to lead this and create the opportunities, influence the communities and do the, the lifting, I would say, for lack of a better term. In fact, the, the actual definition of impact sourcing states that prioritizing suppliers is is the act which is you know can only mean the buyer company meaning that the act of impact sourcing is the procurement and sourcing process and that's definitely true it's a, it's a huge part of it uh, buyers have a, a lot of influence we we have the money um, and, and that really can dictate a lot of the the direction that outsourcing goes into the definition of impact sourcing 
really focusing on the buyer has missed some big opportunities, uh, you know, in the past in terms of how impact sourcing can most easily expand and, and spread out. And that has a lot to do with, you know, the, the definition of what an impact provider versus an outsourcing provider actually means. You know, an impact provider does the same type of services. It's, it's an outsourcing company, but all they do is impact sourcing. So the definition of impact sourcing isn't quite as important when you're really focusing on impact providers because it's very clear that everything that they do falls under the category of impact sourcing. When you start thinking about this as a component of a much, much larger global enterprise, uh, like you know some of the big BPO providers, uh, it becomes a lot more important to put some more clear boundaries and definitions around what impact sourcing means. Given that most of the big providers don't have the experience, for one, they, they, they haven't been doing this traditionally. It doesn't exactly fit into the traditional BPO model, but, but also, you know, from a buyer and even like an IAOP standpoint, uh, the industry itself, how we actually track success and progress is really uh, critical because of this definition is going to dictate, you know, exactly how much um, headcount and progress is made over, over the next couple of years. So I, I think, um, you know, impact sourcing does not necessarily require buyers to go out and hire new suppliers or even necessarily prioritize providers that focus on impact sourcing. You can still influence your your existing providers to, to do this. And um, I, I guess the, the, the number one message that I, I would love providers to hear is that you don't need your clients to ask you to do this. You don't need permission to, to engage in impact sourcing. You should definitely, you know, work with communities like IAOP and, you know, meet with impact providers or, or partner with them even better. So you're doing it the right way. Um, but, but there's no requirement to have your clients, you know, bring this up and kind of force the, the conversation. It can be done organically. And there are a lot of big providers like Sutherland, like teleperformance that are in fact doing this, you know, without, without a big push from their clients. That's great, Alex. For those who are new to impact sourcing, can you talk about how it works and who should lead initiatives? Yeah, I, I think I, I'm not the, the best person to talk about how you're actually running impact sourcing operations. You know, from an impact provider standpoint, picking the right causes, working with the right communities, uh, supporting and training workers. Um, there are people that have a much better perspective and understanding on that than I am. Um, but in terms of how impact services are ramped up with a new client or how it, the life cycle of, you know, outsourcing sales to implementation works, um, you know, I'd say it's, it's not a whole lot different than hiring any new provider. And especially when you're talking about a, an impact provider, the challenges that they face in getting into new clients and growing their business are, are really the same as any small company that doesn't have the global brand or the client references that the big providers 
have. And that's how they win business and, and showcase that they have the experience necessary to do this work. Um, and, and that, that is a challenge because regardless of, of who you're hiring to do outsourcing work for you, the number one entry criteria has to be that the provider is a expert in these services, whether they're an impact provider or not. Um, they have to have experience delivering and, uh, they have to be able to showcase that, you know, that they can perform well and, and be competitive even with, with, with the big providers. And, and this is something that I've, I've seen a few times, which has made me a little bit uneasy with, with some conversations I've had with impact providers that will say, you know, we could do any work. We can do content moderation. Of course, we can do coding or, you know, technology support. We can do customer service. Um, th this isn't any different than any vendor, really, you know, based on my experience. Anyone will say, yes, of course, we can do that. Um, but really proving it out and having the, you know, case studies and, and client references is, is kind of important. So I think it's a good idea for impact providers to maybe think more about, um, you know, what are their offerings as a company? What, what service spaces are they really going to focus on and operate in and, and trying to build out your portfolio and marketing materials based on that. Um, because that's how buyers look at things and that's how, you know, enterprise risk management, it really, um, would view a company's profile and experience. And a reason why this is so important is if you hire an impact provider or, or work with one of your existing big providers to start an impact sourcing program and it doesn't work out, you don't, you know, cross your I's and dot your T's and really make sure that this is a good fit and the program fails, it could completely torpedo your entire impact sourcing program and, and kind of kill your executive sponsorship or confidence in, in these initiatives. So it's really important that you start with the right fit for the work that you're doing. Outside of that, it's no different than setting up new outsourcing services with any company. You know, start slow, work through service levels and make sure that performance is there and then grow. Um, and, and for an impact provider, that, that's, that's pretty straightforward. For a, you know, a big existing service provider, having someone work super closely project managing the actual impact sourcing implementation, uh, all the way from you know, what workflows are you going to pick to do this? What uh, you know, group of, of individuals are, are you targeting to actually hire, recruit, and, and train? And taking those very incremental steps before you're in a scaled environment, simply just because you know most uh, big providers haven't done this before in, in the past, and and you know they'll they'll need help and guidance from their clients to make sure that expectations are being met. Um, so I, I know that that was a, a a long a long answer to a short question, but I think um, you know it it is really important to put the work in upfront, both on the provider and buyer side to make sure that it's the right fit and that it's implemented properly. Um, no different than any other service, but more important for impact sourcing because the stakes are just so much higher in order to make this successful. 
Great, thanks. I love the long answer. You gave us a <laughs> tremendous amount of uh, information, so keep it going. Uh, yeah. As you know, IOP has long been a champion, champion of impact sourcing um, from our partnership with the Rockefeller Foundation and other affiliations with like-minded associations and other groups. Uh, we've seen a drastic increase in other organizations wanting to get involved in impact sourcing and present on this topic at our events and, and, and be involved, but there's still a lot more that can be done. So so in your opinion, what role can IOP play in getting others involved with impact sourcing? What advice would you have for companies wanting to embark on an impact sourcing initiative for the first time? Yeah, I, I think number one function would be spreading the word and, and keeping the cause alive and making sure the, the traction that, you know, GISC and, and other, you know, uh, impact sourcing companies and buyers have, have made over the past couple of years doesn't fade away. Um, we, we need a standard bearer for impact sourcing and a forum to provide outreach, um, one, but also kind of setting the standards and, and adjusting to the industry as things change. You know, like uh, COVID has kind of railroaded a lot of plans to, to do new impact sourcing programs because the growth has stalled uh, a lot of uncertainty. So it's not a great time to introduce new providers into your ecosystem. But in the long term, how that is changing the mindset on remote work and where resources are located is an incredible opportunity for impact sourcing. Um, if you think about people who haven't traditionally been able to get to an office, that, that's one of the you know, foundational definitions of, of what an impact worker would be. They don't know, have to be in an office anymore. And um, you know, companies that have, were, would never in a million years have considered putting certain operations in a remote environment are, are doing it because they had to and it's working. So um, you know, trying to connect the dots between what impact sourcing actually means, how it gets executed, um, and, and providing the networking um, to, to bring people together and, and create business opportunities is a huge opportunity for IOP to, to play a big role. And I think, um, you know, my, my vision for impact sourcing and, and what I'm really focusing on um, over the, the past couple of quarters is, is the opportunity for big providers and impact providers to work together and create partnerships. Um, we've successfully done this in, in certain circumstances. Um, and I think long-term, it's definitely a practice from a hiring and recruiting standpoint that not only uh, you know, traditional service providers, but any company should be striving to, to make, you know, standard operating procedure. Um, but in the meantime, we need to learn how to do this. And, and the impact providers know how to do this. They know who to help. They know how to help them and support them. They know the right types of work for, you know, uh, specific groups of people. So, um, creating a marketplace or, um, you know, some type of networking opportunity to bring these provider groups together and create these turnkey solutions for buyers um, is something that I'm, I'm really hopeful 
that IAOP can play a role in, um, or you know, the, the provider community in general can just start doing this and, and working more closely together. Um, it, it, if you think about you know the the millions of employees that traditional outsourcing companies have across the world that are already working for clients, that does represent the biggest opportunity and also the easiest opportunity to bring more impact workers in, into a, you know, a meaningful career. Um, and, and that is not to say that impact providers shouldn't you know, be prioritized and, and worked with as well. But um, that is the, the, the easiest entry point to actually utilize the, the clients and, and the infrastructure that they've built and and take this to the next level and uh, you know I, I think impact sourcing could be a foundational component of any outsourcing provider um they, they just need to learn how to do it yeah well hopefully working all of us together we can help that happen uh, what would you say is most inspiring to you about impact sourcing? And do you have any stories you can share with us today? Examples that you've seen of impact sourcing at its best? Yeah, I mean, the, the stories of, of the folks who've been just plain given a, a brand new life through impact sourcing is what everyone wants to see. It's the reason why uh, everyone is so involved and passionate about this, including myself. And, and I would really encourage uh, anyone who's who wants to get inspired or really learn more about how impact sourcing and impact providers work to go visit uh, and, and shadow uh, an impact provider. I had a chance to do that a, a few times uh, with a local company called People Shores in um, San Jose back when I was uh, based in California. And... Um, you know, they, they work with a lot of different community groups. They, they work with uh, folks that are on the autism spectrum, you know, people that were victims of abuse, uh, homeless youth. And um, seeing not just how capable they are compared to any other person who just wants an entry-level corporate job, um, that, that's maybe shocking for some. I, I think I probably always would have been in the camp of, you know, you don't need a four-year college degree to to work in a call center or, you know, start your career. It, it's more about your engagement and your passion. And that is what these, the, these folks really have uh, above and beyond the general population is, is the dedication and, and the joy that they find in, in, you know, doing meaningful work. Even if it's something that you know, some folks might consider, um, you know, boring or repetitive. Um, the opportunity to to have this job is is so important and amazing to them that, that they are so dedicated and passionate, and and that is truly inspiring. Uh, and, and it also totally breaks down any bias or bar that traditional recruiting and hiring has set for what you need in order to, you know, successfully do a, a corporate job. Um, it, it's it's going to change everything, I think, in the long term. And, and that's why I, another term I should train, trademark is impact hiring, because I think, you know, long term, this doesn't need to be uh, specifically about outsourcing. Any company can do impact hiring. 
um, you know, take a look at, at the work that Microsoft is doing to just tweak their recruiting and interviewing process a little bit to be more accommodating uh, for folks on the autism spectrum. And they're hiring engineers to work at, you know, one of the, the best technology companies in the world. Um, all it takes is a very small mindset shift and a little bit of bias busting and uh, anyone can do this. Yeah, you know, it's it's really incredible. We have the Global Impact Sourcing Award and the Impact Sourcing Champions Index. And when you go and click on a link on our website, and we have an entire section devoted to impact sourcing, and you read some of these stories, uh, we've got case studies up there that are just so inspiring, so heartwarming. And I find that with impact sourcing, every conversation I have with someone, there's an excitement and a commitment I, I can't even tell you just how I've never seen anything like this before. So let me ask you this. Um, what role should buyers, providers, advisors, and other influencers, such as governments, development and training agencies, academia, et cetera, play in impact sourcing initiatives? Yeah, I mean, I talked a little bit about the, the provider role and opportunity and how that is should be looked at a little bit differently maybe than, than it was in the past. Um, and, you know, doing this without someone telling you to do it um, and, or without, you know, asking your clients for money or investment. Uh, providers can lead the, the charge here and just do this with, with very minimal investment. Um, and what I, what I hope to see is more partnerships between impact providers and, and large outsourcing providers to not only, you know, help train these companies on, on what to do, but, but give impact providers the chance to get their foot in the door and working with more clients, um, and, and, and be that, uh, you know, sales arm and kind of enterprise risk mitigator that that is a barrier to entry for, for a lot of uh, impact providers. You know, so creating these, another you know, horrible business term, but you know, turnkey solutions for, for buyers, that's what, that's what will really make this catch fire, uh, making it as easy and simple as possible. And that's, that's what outsourcing providers do. That, that's all they do is they, they figure out how to make business problems go away for their clients, they solve them, they use technology to automate and, uh, you know, re re replace manual processes. They know and they can do this. They, they just need a little bit of a push and, um, you know, a little bit of uh, understanding. I think, um, you know, buyers, I'm, I'm not letting buyers off the hook by any means. Uh, you know, that, that's where I sit today. And um, I, I, can, I can tell you, it was not as easy as I thought it would be to get impact sourcing off the ground. I learned a lot. I think, um, you know, I finally uh, got to a place where I understood what the right incentives and, um, and support providers need in order to, to do these programs and to grow them. Um, but, but buyers should also look for opportunities for, for impact providers and, and smaller firms to engage with them directly. Uh, that, that's not as easy as it, as it might sound either. I think, you know, uh, working with small companies is a, a risk for big enterprise customers that have global operations. Um, but if it's done correctly 
and with the right level of oversight, it's it's certainly achievable. And the you know the value prop for impact sourcing, uh, you know, associated with higher performance, uh, longer tenure, uh, more focus and dedication, you'll you'll get that the most with these impact providers because that's who's really doing the the best grassroots work. Um, advisors is a one that's near and dear to me because I, I was an outsourcing advisor for most of my career. Uh, and, you know, like I mentioned, I never once heard um, impact sourcing mentioned in, in seven years as an outsourcing consultant. And advisors have maybe the best ability to spread the word for impact sourcing, uh, you know, across the big four, ISG, um, Everest, other boutique firms, they're working with the vast majority of outsourcing buyers and clients in, in the U.S. and around the world as well. They also have deep, deep relationships with the provider community. Um, they work super closely on, on new deals and, and understanding service offerings that, that different vendors are, uh, you know, leaders in. So, I think advisors would have to do very little in order to just get the, the message out. And that's the beauty of impact sourcing is you just need to hear a five minute spiel about it to want to do everything you possibly can to, to get involved and make it work. Uh, everyone wants to be involved in impact sourcing. And um, the, the more we can show that it's not as risky and it's much easier than, than, you know, we may have thought in the past, the easier it will be for this to catch fire and, and spread. So I, I would love to challenge the advisor community, you know, my former companies um, that I used to work for to, to make this a priority. It's, um, you know, not only uh, a, a good thing to do for society, but, you know, selfishly, it's also a great sales opportunity. You could, I could see advisors having, you know, um, services to help clients implement impact sourcing programs, um, bringing a supplier proposal into a client that has impact sourcing built into it. You know, when you're trying to sell new business would be a huge plus for me if I was, you know, going to hire a consultant to help me with a big transaction. Um and, and I know the, you know, partners that be out there probably have a, a, an even better way to, to spin this in, in uh, you know, a positive light. So I, I think that that is one of the things that, that's missing today. Um, I haven't seen many advisors really get involved yet because I think they just don't know. So it's, we just need to, to help, help them understand and, and give them the tools that, that they need in order to, to sell this to their clients. Yeah, thanks, Alex. And we know you're going to do exactly that next month at the summit. We're looking forward to that session. You are a bit of an advisor to the advisors, I think, when it comes to impact sourcing. So what makes someone an impact sourcing provider and an outsourcing provider or a BPO provider? Can a typical service provider work as an impact sourcing provider? Yes, the answer is yes. Um, but let me kind of explain a bit more because I I won't claim that I was the first one to do this, but I, I've been using the term impact provider a lot um, recently because I've come to understand the importance of differentiating between an impact provider and a traditional 
outsourcing provider really solely because of that that definition and what it means in terms of roles and responsibilities and how you work with clients. Um, so an impact provider, trademark, is um, a company that just does impact sourcing and, and, and they only work with impact workers um, versus a, a traditional provider. They, they are m- most likely getting involved in some degree uh, already today, but, you know, primarily they're a traditional big global service provider. Um, you know, the, the likes of Accenture, Cognizant, Genpak, et cetera. Um, the, the difference again is, is really only important to address the opportunity that large BPO or outsourcing providers have to incorporate impact sourcing into their existing footprint. Um, and, and I say outsourcing providers too, uh, specifically because another kind of limiting part of the definition that we created for impact sourcing in the GISC days was focus on, on BPO. And, and they, they knew that, that the ITO opportunity existed as well. We, we kind of went for the low hanging fruit initially, which is great, but uh, impact sourcing can can absolutely be done in any kind of outsourcing service from coding to FNA, HR, um, really anything can be done. And I've seen impact work done even with with coders and developers. Um, so I, I, I'd say there's not any difference in terms of the end product. Uh, it's all outsourcing services. Um, but you know, the, the, the knowledge and understanding on how to do that. And, and this is something that the impact providers have and, and, and the opportunity that they could share this with the broader community, um, is really important going forward. Uh, I'll, I'll create another, uh, term here called impact hiring. Um, and you know, again, like I mentioned, Microsoft is already doing this. Anyone can do impact hiring as well. Um, it's another evolution of, of what impact sourcing can become and how it can become, you know, a a common standard table stakes practice, not only for providers, but for buyers, advisors, everyone that's involved in in outsourcing and, and hiring for that matter. How important and crucial are relationships and the collaboration that takes place to make impact sourcing successful? They're definitely very important, uh, especially for buyers and specifically buyers that are trying to get an impact sourcing program spun up um, from from the ground up. So, um, you know, selling this story to executives, in, in my experience, the conversation is always, how are we de-risking this? How do we make sure that, you know, these small companies are, have the infrastructure and the experience in place to do this work? Um, you know, that's primarily done by huge fortune 500 companies. So the, the way that you do that and, and prove to your, uh, company and, and show your executives that you're really, um, limiting the risk to hundred percent if you do it right is by working very closely with your impact sourcing programs, having your vendor managers on the ground um, in 
intimately involved in the setup and governance and you know in general having a strong relationship with your provider is is the most important way to ensure that performance stays consistent that governance is is as easy as possible and um, that you're really trusting them to do more and more work for you which is the goal of outsourcing in general um, it, it should be easy and and you know if you're a good project manager uh, setting the expectations with with your new impact provider um, should be straightforward I, I've definitely seen um, some bigger providers that don't have the impact sourcing experience try to do it with bad results when they really didn't understand exactly what needed to be done or they were just trying to check a box and say hey look we're, we're, we're engaged in participating um, so it, it's really important that your your teams on the ground that, that are doing vendor management actually um, get intimately involved up front um, making sure it's set up the right way great well, we're almost out of time, so I have one final question for you. What do you think the future holds for impact sourcing? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, I, I really am, am passionate about the future of impact sourcing because I think we are kind of on a precipice of pushing this over into the, the real big opportunity. And, and like I said before, that, that lies with the large BPO outsourcing providers. Uh, what I would love to see happening in in 2021 and, and beyond is more partnerships between large providers and, and impact providers. Um, providers showcasing that they have, are doing this on their own without influence from their, their clients um, and, and that they're really committed and engaged to it. I think one of the lessons that I learned uh, when we first got started was if your provider isn't fully bought into this concept, it's not gonna work. It cannot be a pull or a push from your client. It has to be done organically from the ground up on the provider side. Um, and and uh, it can't be bought and paid for. You, you really need to have that commitment from your vendors. And in order for them to do that successfully, they, they have to learn. and working in partnership with with these impact providers i'd say is is the best way that they can do that um you know on the buyer side i i think creating opportunities for impact providers directly is uh is a goal of mine um you know it, it's it's not always easy but i think if you follow the you know the the journey of starting small and and growing and really managing things tightly uh it's a very achievable goal um, you know, long-term impact sourcing being the norm for provider hiring and recruiting, and as well as, as um, buyer procurement activities and, and vendor management is what the vision really is. It's, it's part of the general concept of outsourcing um, and that it's automatically built into solutions that, um, you know, vendors are, are pitching to their clients. So it really just becomes um, like a reflex for everyone involved. And, and I think really, you know, I, I, I mentioned the term impact hiring again. Um, where this really could lead to is that the concept of impact sourcing 
is applied to any employer around the world that hires and maintains and trains their their resources. Um, you know, not not to say that college degrees would be completely replaced, um, but you know, we're proving with impact sourcing that the the way that we've thought about the traditional backgrounds and profiles for corporate workers was not correct. Um, check out a, a program that Cognizant is, is running called the, the Bronx, the Bronx, the Bronx training center. Um, they are working directly with communities to train people for specific careers. Um, you know, not hiring folks with general business degrees. They are going out and finding people that based on their personalities and what they enjoy doing are suited for a specific role and a specific career. And, um, you know, I think impact hiring can, can be the starting point for a world like that, where we're really not only giving opportunities to a much, much bigger population of the world um, and, and breaking down those biases, but we're also we're also sourcing and connecting meaningful jobs for people that actually want to do them. And they don't just want to, you know, climb the, the ladder or try something out. You know, we're actually creating an opportunity that people are going to love and enjoy it. And that is good for everyone. Um, but most importantly, it's, it's good for the people that are actually getting, getting these opportunities. Thanks so much, Alex, for joining us today on the IOP Pulsecast. It's really been a pleasure speaking with you about impact sourcing. And thank you also for being such a huge part of what IOP is trying to do to really promote impact sourcing. I'm sure our listeners have taken away ideas and inspiration they can use in incorporating these initiatives into their corporate strategies. I encourage our listeners to visit the impact sourcing section of IOP's website for more resources and information on how to get involved. Thank you so much, everyone. Together, we can make a real difference. Thanks, Debbie.